This is Two Guys in a River. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. We're two lifelong friends who love fly fishing for trout. Our podcast is all about helping you catch more fish and deepening your love of the time you spend on the river. We are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing. A few years ago, when I was in my early 40s, my youngest son, who was about eight years old at the time, noticed some gray hair in my beard and said, Dad, when I'm in high school, will you be too old to come to my games? (laughs) Well, thanks a lot, son. (laughs) Yeah, right. I'll be there with... uh, uh, oxygen tank and, and, and a walker cane. yeah, yeah at, exactly. at age 48 whatever it whatever it takes well now that I'm in my mid-50s I have even more gray or perhaps white but there's an advantage it's a sign of wisdom now Dave and I want to be humble about this but I mean we are kind of like gurus these wise older gurus who ponder the, the mysteries, mysteries of life, of life. And that is fly fishing. And that's what we want to do today. This is part three of Mysteries of the Fly Fishing Universe. We know that you've been craving some more mysteries. Dave, how many uh, people have written and asked for this in, in the dozens or the hundreds? It or, may have been in the hundreds. Or maybe yeah. it was just a couple. But uh, Or maybe none. Maybe this is just... Maybe none. <laughs> maybe we're just assuming something. But we assume that you've been craving some more mysteries and our thoughts about these mysteries so we're here to deliver them (laughs) that's right we lay awake at night thinking oh man wait how was it late were we really thinking about mysteries of the fly fishing universe (laughs) or oh maybe i was up because i had to go to the bathroom that's kind of a midlife thing right sorry about that (laughs) i know uh, but these great mysteries haunt us yeah they do really i mean i yep (sighs) or they make us laugh at ourselves so grab a cup of coffee or if you're driving, keep your eye on the road, and don't look at your mobile phone, and uh, help us ponder some of these great mysteries of the fly fishing universe. Here we go. All right, number one, drum roll. Why does the Yellowstone River blow out as you are driving from Bozeman to Livingston to fish the Mother's Day caddis hatch? The fabled uh, Mother's Day caddis hatch. I had there that happen. There must be a story. Oh, I know. I had that happen one year. I... I had, you know, I always called the fly shops that I knew, and I'd call the ones in Livingston, you know, Dan Bailey's or, or George Anderson's or somebody to, to find out what water conditions were. And, and I had an afternoon, and so uh, found out, yeah, it's still fishable, but it's, boy, it's starting to blow out. We think it might be blown out by the evening. So I, I, I raced over, and I'll never forget, when I was in Livingston, I, I took a peek at the river, and, and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't too bad, but the, the further I drove up the river, by the time I got to where I was going to fish, kind of the, uh, oh, the, the Pine Creek Bridge, yep, yep, you know, yep, that area, yep. um, it had blown out. I mean, just e- even just in a, a few miles from chocolate. Livingston, yeah, to about 16 miles uh, north up the river. Yep, it was just floating like uh, chocolate milk. And i never forget that. It, as I was driving up, the thing was... Uh, uh, just filling up. So I missed it by maybe two hours. Wow. Well, yeah. Did you actually go down to the river at all? Oh, yeah, I did. did I you, w- were caddis still hatching? Uh, oh, yeah, there were caddis all over the place, but I didn't even bother. Yeah, no, that's I impossible. didn't bother fishing. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, wow. that's that's one of those mysteries. Why, why is it always, uh, why are you two hours late? Why couldn't I have been two hours early? That's... Uh, Haunts me to this day, yeah, that's Dave. A, that's a great fly fishing uh, 
mystery. I know. You know, it's, I it's, know. It's, one of, it's part of that general mystery of why. Yep. Why do you miss out? Like it's always the day after. Yeah, like, that's I, right. I feel this way mm-hmm. when I hunt in North Dakota. Yeah. It's always too hot, too cold. Hey, you should have been mm-hmm. here last week. Oh, Dave, you're leaving today. Well, it's the big snowstorm's coming tomorrow, and that's when the geese are going to be down. And I'm like, never there. And that's not quite true. So through the years, we've had years where we've had great days of hunting. But I always feel like I'm missing something. It's always like I'm missing it. Yeah. Oh, I know. I've been there, too. I've been there with hunting. I remember uh, back, oh, my, all the way in 1987. I remember the year. uh, No, 19, yeah, 1987. And uh, Thanksgiving Day, my brother Mark and I decided before we had Thanksgiving dinner to drive up. Uh, Mill Creek and a Paradise Valley and and go elk hunting and uh, we came to uh, the end of the road main Mill Creek and had a place where we hiked we were going to hike into and hunt for a couple of hours and the trail wide and it happened that somebody got in there a few minutes earlier before we did and they they were going they they met us at the Y and they said which way are you guys going to go well, I was going to go to the left, but I knew there was more country to hunt on the right. So I said, ah, we'll go to the right because we were going to go to the left and check out this one little park and then come back down to the Y and go right. So I thought, fine. So we're five minutes later, we hear a shot and, <laughs> and a mule deer doe came running through. I thought, yeah, no big deal. So we hunted, didn't see anything, uh, left at about 10.30 so we could get back for uh, Thanksgiving dinner. And almost to the parking lot, thankfully, it was almost to the parking lot, uh, we noticed that there, these it was these guys, they were dragging out something. And I thought, oh, well, that must be a pretty big mule deer. Well, here <laughs> they shot a five-point bull elk. Oh. So, you know, if, if we would have been there just a little bit earlier... And uh, didn't have it, but that's uh, anyway. I digress. This is, I think, we're talking about fly fishing, right? Oh, yeah, these are actually mysteries of the great outdoor universe. So, what's another one, Dave? So, another is why do I buy 10 black caddis flies when I know perfectly well that I have no chance of seeing them on the surface of the river? Yeah, why do you? (laughs) So, so we always go to uh, to the to the Minnesota Driftless in the spring, and there's this fly shop, and and they don't have everything you need. So I was looking for some black caddis because that's typically the color that you need on where we fish and the different streams that you fish. And so I was looking for some black caddis with a white post, right? Because you yeah. can't see mm-hmm. these things right. to save your life. Couldn't find it. No white posts. No black caddis. So uh, I'll just get these with the you know these ten, and I bought ten. <laughs> Right at two dollars a pop. That's twenty bucks. Oh man! So what was I thinking? So I bought ten, and sure enough, I, and I know this. You know, I've not been fly fishing for only a yeah. week. And so I went out there. No, nope, couldn't. I mean, you can't see anything, no. right? And so what was I thinking? And so now, <laughs> those ten black caddis still sit in my fly still box. Still there. I need to throw them out or move them into like an archive or something. But I do this all the time, (laughs) where you buy unnecessary flies. To me, it's a great mystery of the fly fishing universe. It's actually a great mystery of the fly fisher. That's true. I'm impulsive. uh, I'm greedy. And when I I know what I need, and even though I know I can't really use them, I'll buy them anyway. That's a great mystery. I know it. Do you have any struggles like that, Steve? 
Uh, yeah, yeah, I do. Well, you're, I'll, you're a little bit more perfect. No, I'll do the same though. I'll go in a fly shop and and uh, like, well, they're they're really they're really hitting on parachute atoms. Well, good. I have you know, I've got forty nine. I've got a dozen of those, and <laughs> but uh, but they've uh, but look at the way they've tied that. It's almost like, well, I need new ones. So <laughs> I buy new ones and. Great. Now I have two rows of parachute atoms. Exactly. That, uh, exactly. Yeah. Oh man. Ah, so it's, it's... we have two mysteries of the of the fly fishing universe. I'm not sure we've sold them, or I'm not sure we've solved them. No, we haven't. No, but, but we've explained them. So is there that, any more right. mysteries of the fly fishing universe? Oh, there are many more. Here's another one that uh, you know just keeps me awake at night. Uh, why will trout feed on a big, ugly attractor pattern in the middle of a bluing olive hatch, which calls for size 20 dry flies? Oh. I mean, I just don't understand that. And of course, the, the mystery is I'm never the one who catches them on that big, ugly attractor <laughs> pattern. But well, we've had listeners write in and yeah, talk about yeah, that. Yeah, I know. Right? That That's it. Thank you, listeners. You're keeping us awake at night <laughs> exactly. with these stories. But yeah, you know, that, that happens sometimes. Uh, <laughs> You know, you're you're trying to match the hatch, and you're trying to go smaller, and then somebody uh, comes along, and well, I remember lays down a size twelve. Uh, they do. I I remember this day that there was a there was a great fly fisher by the name of Jerry Williams. I know I've talked about him before, probably a few years ago on this podcast, and and he was a he was a ranger in Rocky Mountain National Park, a park ranger, and. And boy, he was a good fly fisher. Really understood entomology. And anyway, he he was after this big brown trout that he knew where its lair was down in the in Moraine Park in the Big Thompson River. And he would often go in the evening and try to coax that thing out. And I think once it it hit his fly and he get it. But one night as he's walking in, out walks this this twelve year old boy with a spinning rod. And he had caught that on this big, ugly <gasps> Budweiser plug. No! Yeah. You know, kind of like the size of a Rapala, but this <laughs> Budweiser beer plug with, with a hook. couple treble hooks. Oh, no! And this guy caught his big brown. Oh, so, and, yeah. and he didn't release the brown. No, no, no. <laughs> that brown is gone forever. Not Holy cow! No. That's horrible. No, That's I a know. deep mystery. I remember when one of the listeners posted talking about fishing during a hatch right you're fishing on the top you're fishing emergers you're dropping fly you're everything you can do with bwos right you're and nothing is working and then out of sheer like randomness i'm just gonna throw some big plug and not a plug but a Mm -hmm. a big elk hair caddis Mm -hmm. you throw it in the middle spruce moth or something completely different bug (laughs) big size and all of a sudden something comes up and nails and not just one yeah. Right. Do you oh. remember we had who is the friend of yours who lives out in Oregon who talked about he was he got so frustrated one day because nothing was hitting he just started stripping oh, yeah. back Dwayne on Dunham. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. all of a sudden they started hitting. He said I yeah. caught six or seven on yeah. these stripping it back. He said it never happened again. Never worked yeah. again. Yeah. It's crazy, isn't yeah. it? It is. It's it's a great mystery in oh, the fly fishing universe. I know. What's another one, Dave? So why does the novice that you're teaching to fly fish immediately begin casting 60 <laughs> feet to your 40 <laughs> and catches a dozen oh, trout man. to your five. Yes. Now this happened oh. to me not too long ago, actually several years ago, a client wanted to go fly fishing. We actually kind of dragged him out there. 
I was trying to get out to Colorado. He lived out in Colorado. I said, hey, let's get together. I figured, hey, I can write, write part of this trip off, yeah. this boondoggle. And so we ended up going to the Collegiate, Mar- uh, the Collegiate Peaks Wilderness west of Salida. And literally, he had never fished. So once we got up, it took us like four hours to get up to the lake. In a sense, we're unwrapping the rod. Now, obviously, he didn't have it yeah. you know, in a wrapper, but we're pulling it out of the rod tube. Uh, he had this fly shop put on backing and in the, but I'm seriously putting on leader first time ever. Mm-hmm. So I said, Hey, let me try it. So I'm trying it a little bit. And, and, um, I put on a midge pattern, nothing was hitting. So I right away switched to what the fly shop said was, Hey, put on these stimulators about size 14 stimulators. I'm thinking really way up this high, but sure enough, well, I handed the rod to him and Literally, it was like oh. he literally started ripping out about sixty feet. Oh man! I'm like, what? Yeah. And he goes, "This isn't so hard," you know. <laughs> and so he ended yes, up, it is. <laughs> he ended up catching probably ten to twelve fish that day. Now oh, I caught fish man. too, and I don't know if I only caught five, but I was just like stunned, thinking, seriously, I spent my whole life working this, and you can just grab that rod and rip out sixty feet. Oh, I know. That's some people are like that. Now sometimes. You can take the mystery out of it because you say, okay, this person's just athletic. But there's other times where you get somebody who's no more athletic than you are, and it's like they just, it they just stumble into it. Yeah, yeah it just yeah, yeah, works. Yeah. I know it happens in in fly fishing. It, it happens in hunting. I remember a young guy who uh, was going to go out and go elk hunting, and, and uh, uh, you know, it was like his first year that he had a license. This was in Montana. And I remember talking to uh, this guy and, and his mom, and and, uh, and I just tell him, you know, elk hunting's hard, and I've, I've hunted, you know, at that point, I had probably been hunting for about six years, you know, for elk, and, and you know, not, not a lot of success, finally got one, but, so the first time he goes out, he comes back, and his mom says, you will not believe the story, I, I took my son out, and, and, you know, they're driving through this, kind of on this uh, crest of this, you know, this road, through a logging road through a national forest area. And he said, I just decided we'd, we'd stop. And my son just got out and he looked down over the hill and here's a six-point bowl. No and he, way! And he shoots it like, how does that happen? That just, <sighs> He's ruined for the yeah, rest of his I, life, really. I know it. And, and it wasn't that he was a better hunter. He didn't know anything at that point, but... Yeah, that happens in fly fishing and hunting. You know, Dave, this is so painful. I think this would be a good time for a word about our sponsor, uh, Dr. Squatch Men's Outdoor Soap. And then uh, after we've recovered a little bit, we'll come back and tackle a few more mysteries. Dave, I just have to say, you smell pretty good today. What's the deal with that? Oh, my. You are way too close to me, man. Move (laughs) over. Oh, my. Oh, my goodness. Well, it sounds like another plug for our sponsor, doesn't it? Uh, it does. We are sponsored by Dr. Squatch Soap. Uh, we never thought we'd be, uh, uh, be a singing, shill the, for a right, soap. singing the virtues of, of soap. But, wow, this stuff is really, really good. It is. It's Dr. Squatch Natural Outdoor Soap. And you can find it at drsquatch.com. Now, what is your favorite bar of soap? Or maybe I should say, what's your current bar of soap well i'm kind of hooked on the pine tar i like that but i'm i'm trying the the new spearmint basil i'm uh, i'm actually uh, eager for my pine tar bar to uh, uh to to get 
so small that I can't use it anymore. It's taken a while. The stuff lasts. But yeah, I've, I've got the spearmint uh, basil on deck, and I'm, I'm kind of interested in that. And then there's a new sage that I'd like to try as well. well I'm using bay rum right now. I try oh, yeah. To, That's good I, stuff. I buy lots of pine tar, but I use it so quickly that I'm, I'm interspersing it with other bars of soap, and I'm finding I like all these other bars of soap. So one of the great things about Dr. Squatch is that it's, it's soap, it's natural soap, it's made in the USA, and it's for men. It doesn't come off the same factory line that your, your partner's soap comes out of, right? It's like real soap for guys who love the outdoors. Yeah, that, that's right. It's, it's great stuff, and it uh, uh, doesn't have the harsh chemicals, but the smell's good. My wife's commented on it. She says, wow, that, that really smells good. So... Uh, just because it's a manly smell doesn't mean it smells like, uh, you know, like a, skunk. Yes, yeah, <laughs> right, uh, like skunk. Uh, it's great stuff. We think you'll like it. And uh, just by punching in uh, two guys, the number two and then G U Y S, two guys in the promo code area, uh, you'll get 20% off. Yep, do it now. Go to drsquatch.com. And now back to our episode. We're talking about mysteries of the fly fishing universe. This is the third time that we've uh, done this, and I'm sure that, uh, that there's a lot more things that we'll tackle. But uh, uh, here's another mystery. Why is it that the fly shop tells you you're wasting time buying a caddis emerger because the season is over for caddis by at least a month? But guess what? You caught the heaviest fish of your life on that caddis emerger the day before. Dave, that happened to you, didn't it? There's a story here. Last fall, we fished the Madison and, and caught these Hebgen Lake rainbows that were coming up to spawn. And rainbows generally spawn in the spring, but these Hebgen Lake rainbows are actually a strain of... of uh, of steelhead from I think they were planted in Hebgen Lake, like right? In, Eagle like Lake 50, or Eagle yeah, Lake, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. they came from California, but, right? But planted mm -hmm. in Hebgen Lake, like in the fifties or sixties, for some reason, mm -hmm. and they've thrived and they're just heavy fish because there's no current in the lake, but they do move up the Madison River in the fall, and so I had just caught this heavy fish. I mean, it was the heaviest fish I've ever caught. It wasn't the longest fish. It was probably what 21, 22 inches, but mm -hmm. it was it was so no, heavy. It was like a football. Yeah. It, it took me about twenty to thirty minutes to get that thing in, and only because I'd had like two X tippet for some reason, even though I was fishing a size eighteen caddis emerger, right? Yeah. So I caught this fish. So the next day, you and I traipsed down to Bozeman, and well, we won't say where it was, but we popped into this fly shop. Said, "Hey, do you have any more of these caddis emerger?" Uh, it was like what was it? It was a it was called a, it was it was a caddis emerger, but it's called a. It was like an olive serendipity. Yes, it was like an yeah. olive serendipity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, the the, the young, well, I, I need to be careful, but the guy looks at me and says, and and kind of in a mocking way, not a mocking way, but like patronizing way, yeah. mm -hmm. said, you know that the the caddis are, have been over for a for about a month, so <laughs> here's what yeah. I'd recommend. And I said, no, I, I really like some uh, olive serendipities. No, I think what you really need, he said, was, and at that point, we're like, nah. <laughs> you know, we have this phrase, always confident sometimes, yes, right? Yes, that's you know? right. And I was proud of you. You <laughs> held your tongue. I, I, I knew you wanted to <laughs> give him peace of your mind. I did not. <laughs> oh, I was just being very generous. Yeah. I wasn't thinking generous thoughts, but I was. I didn't. I did resist my, but partly because I'm not, you know, who am I? I just. I caught this fish on this olive serendipity. I just wanted a few more because we were going to fish that same area, and I, I only had like two, 
and I wanted to make sure I didn't run out. But anyway, so yeah. the great mystery of the fly fishing universe is is this moment when the fly shop person tells you something you don't really need to know. Yeah. I don't know if that's if that is that the mystery, yeah. <laughs> or is the mystery that I'm right for once? Well, that too. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he was a good person. So yeah. I'm not panning him. Yeah. And, but you know, fly fishers, we're all like this. Blah 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 blah. I'm so right and confident and blah blah blah. Yeah, and, I know. You know, you know and, and so what's my God? And you know, and you're you just you say it with such conviction. But at the end of the day, you know. Meh, I know. Meh. Well, and that kind of leads to another mystery, doesn't it? Yeah, and this is really a corollary in a really profound way to the previous point. So yes. why is it that 12 fly fishers claim that the trout in a certain stretch of river were feeding on only one particular size and pattern and that each of the 12 identifies a different <laughs> size and a pattern. Yeah. So this is back to, you know, the always uh, yes. confident, sometimes right, right? That's right. The characteristics of fly fishers oh, I or know. fishers in general. That's uh, true. But wasn't this your friend Bud Lilly? Not really. I met him a couple times, but uh, he who would have remembered Didn't me? Did he judge sure. your fly fishing once? Was he the guy that said something to the effect? Um, oh, well, yeah. I, that's the time I went in. He was signing uh, with Paul Schuller. He signing his, his book, Bud Lilly's Guide to Fly Fishing the New West. And uh, he just had a dry sense of humor. He was a lot of fun. And so people in front of me were, were they're swapping stories about the caddis hatch because this was in April and it had just blown out. And I said, yeah, I was was over on the Livingston. And, uh, I, or the Yellowstone. Or the Yellowstone, yeah. I was in the Yellowstone. And, and the wind was blowing so hard that I was a, you know, I was at the side of those kind of those uh, cliffs, you know, the, yep, the I know exactly where that's the, at. the dirt cliffs, and and it was blowing dust in my eyes. I was wearing contacts at the time, and so I, I just shut my eyes and I hooked the fly on the the little uh, the little hook, you know, on, in your your fly rod, and and you kind of had it cradled in my arms, and I'm closing my eyes, and all of a sudden my rod about jerks out of my arm, and I look down, here's a fish on. Well, that fly had come loose and kind of hit the current so you know i was telling that story and paul Schuller he laughed and bubbly did a little bit he goes yeah guess it didn't take too much skill that day and i said nope sure didn't sure didn't but yeah i think you were referring to he he said that always happened to him when he was uh he owned his fly shop in west that he'd get uh, fly fishers come in and I'd say, well, how was your day? Oh, it was really good. But they were only hitting on this, on, on one fly. It was this little baby. And what did he say by the end of the day? He'd seen about 20 of little babies. these little babies. And they were all different flies. So. so is this just a male thing? I mean, there's so many female fly fishers. I'd like to know, if you're a female fly yeah. fisher, do you yak it up like this as well? Back to the blah, 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 blah. Or are you more nuanced? Yeah, and it's I not it, maybe it's not even the yakking it up as much as it is yakking it up as uh, I'm I'm the expert and, yeah, and you there can't you go. even you can't even conceive that somebody else might catch a, a trout on another pattern. But yeah. it's kind of I'm funny. I'm so glad that, you and I have never been like oh, that because you know never it, it'd be hard to be like yeah, that. Yeah, so. that's right. It would be. <laughs> Yeah, this is one of those that make us laugh. It doesn't really keep you up at night, no. but uh, you it's just a fly have to fishing shake mystery that makes you laugh. Yep, yeah. it really does. Well, here's another one. Why is it that the meal you eat after a day of fly fishing amounts to more calories than you ever burned off while fishing a two mile stretch of river? Now, this 
is the biggest mystery of all. Yes, really, it it's is. the grand poobah of all fly fishing mysteries. Yes, it is. So we walk eight miles, yep. four there, four back, and our Fitbit says we burned only 400 calories, even yeah. though we're fly fishing the whole way. I know it. Now, we're not jogging, are we? No, no. no. no we're f- but remember how fast I walk, too, because I'm trying to get ahead of you. So, And my Fitbit doesn't seem to uh, no. register that. I don't understand. I think they're broke mostly. I don't think they work for I know. It. And yet, so we've, we've, we've burned off 400 calories each. Yeah. But yet, but yet, <laughs> the meal at the Rib and the Chop House alone is 4,600 calories. <laughs> what gives? Yeah, man. Yeah, this is unsolvable. Although maybe it is the Fitbit. I have to laugh because when I go to the gym to work out and, and you know, I'm on the treadmill and I'm I'm doing some other stuff, weights and things, but I'll get out of there and I'll look at my Fitbit like, "What? I know I took more steps than that." <laughs> and then I'll go home and mow my lawn and it's like, "There's no way that I just walked 10,000 steps to mow my lawn." But it, that's what it shows. Yeah, so I I think I think all measurement of exercise is generally understated in general that's right and yes. and and the calories that we eat is probably overstated don't i you think, think that's true unless that, you, unless you, well at least that makes me feel better <laughs> but oh, this man. is a great mystery I, I know i really seriously when we go back four miles and we're climbing some cliffs to get up to these you know this plateau where we drop back down i'm like yeah. what and you come back, and it's only 400 calories that you've burned off. Well, there needs to be something where you can punch in the, the cliff climbing section so that right. it triples your your it's, calorie exactly. burn, right? What about the arm, the nymph yes, fishing? Your, your, that, that's right. It, it doesn't track the arm or movement. Oh, I know I it. Know. I know. Well, uh, that's enough troubling stuff for one day. Yeah. I guess what we're saying is that fly fishing mysteries make fly fishing interesting and quite the adventure so i'm sure that we'll have some more to share with you but uh, hey this will give you a lot to think about and to ponder until our next podcast all right it's time for great stuff from our listeners and this comment comes from a listener named kevin this is what he writes he says i listened to your podcast on fly fishing on a family vacation and thought it was sound advice fortunately i didn't follow it (laughs) how's that for a start okay he continues he said He explains, for our 36th wedding anniversary, my wife said I could pick the trip. Of course, I chose... Mistake number one. Yes. I chose a fly fishing trip in the North Carolina mountains. She was reluctant, but once she brought a 23-inch rainbow to the net. In North Carolina? This is another mystery of the fly fishing universe, right? Anyway, he says, I was husband of the year. Keep up the great work. Love the podcast and book Tight Lines. That is so great. Oh, that is hilarious. <laughs> this is called strategery. I know. Get your wife out there to catch a large fish. I know. That's brilliant. That, that's it. That's a mystery of life. Why is it there again that the person that you you take out your spouse and they've never fly fished before or much, they don't like it as much as you do, but they catch the big fish. This Isn't reminds me of my 30th is? birthday. So yeah. my 30th birthday, my wife and several friends – gave me a pellet gun so you think a pellet gun is something for like a middle schooler or something but no they gave me and it was so awesome so we promptly (laughs) went to the backyard and started target shooting and Jana just picks it up (laughs) just picks it up and literally and it wasn't just one bullseye she like ripped the center of that paper plate to shreds (laughs) and I was 
popping it all over the. I was spraying. You had you a know, nice just, shotgun oh. <laughs> kind of a pattern, huh? Exactly. Sometimes I wasn't even hitting the paper plate. Oh man, that's great. <laughs> so. Oh well, thanks, Jim, for evoking all of these uh, emotions and, and memory. That really was yeah. a great comment. All right, that's going to do it for today. What are some mysteries of the fly fishing universe that keep you awake at night or at least make you shake your head? You can let us know by commenting on this podcast link at twoguysinariver.com. Tell us some of your head-scratching mysteries you experience as a fly fisher. Thank you for referring our podcast. We say this every episode because it is so, so important for growing our subscribers and we have grown organically for the most part over the last three years three and a half years we're very very grateful for that so your fly fishing club TU over seven thousand subscribers now yeah, Dave, right? over seven thousand subscribers yeah it's amazing and we're just very very grateful for that yes so, we are and it's all through forwarding on emails mentioning it to your tu chapter that's how that's how podcasts grow. So that's how we've grown. So we're very very grateful for that. So we also love to hear your ideas for podcast episodes. In fact, every so often we'll publish something that is directly uh, the result of somebody reaching out and saying, "Hey, would you do something on this topic?" Sometimes we can't do it, or it might take a while before we actually do publish something. But man, every one of those we take seriously. Yeah, we do. So one more thing. I'm just sorry to have to mention this one more time, but that tremendous book that we wrote, The Fly Fisher's Book of Lists, Life is Short, Catch More Fish. I don't know. If you don't have that on your like coffee table, I don't know. I think you're missing out. So you can find that book on Amazon. The Supply is Short, the Order More Books. Yeah. <laughs> supply is Short. <laughs> exactly. So anyway, we'd love for you to do that. Well, thanks again for listening. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. Until next time, we are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing. <laughs>